Second Bananas is recorded on unceded Indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that Indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. I was looking at this screen, but finally someone was like, Joe, it is really unnerving that you're looking up and above the camera. Like, it's really hard. And I was fine. And I realized I've been doing it the whole time with this podcast, too. And like, Craig and Wes dutifully did not say anything. I don't know if it bothered you guys, but like, no, but you did. You, I did notice for sure. Yeah, well, because I'm literally <laughs> looking like this. I didn't say anything, but it angle. pissed me off. So oh, <laughs> I was about to quit, and then Craig came on, and everything was okay. But, uh, well, that's but yeah. brought it up is because I work here, and then we, you know, I don't know. I guess I don't necessarily do my other like social or family Zoom calls. From here, I'll try and have a laptop in mm -hmm. the lounge or something. But to change kind of like, you know, a bit of a palate cleanse from like your day job going yeah. into maybe certainly, I don't know, um, you know, but certainly into like a different creative space sometimes or whatever. For, For sure. me, it helps to like kind of cleanse that somehow, change it, do yeah. something different. Yeah, there's uh, definitely better spots in, at home where you feel like you have the freedom to not also to not look at your phone or be distracted by yeah home things and, oh totally yeah, yeah yeah like for example right now i'm almost distracted by how freaking cold my room is so oh, no not necessarily oh. enjoying that but so confident cold. that the topic today is gonna get things a little bit heated up i am i'm on it i'm gonna be honest yeah Ooh, so yeah why don't we uh why don't we jump mercurial personality Ooh. Like I wrote that. down some buzzwords, but Mercurial is not one of them. <laughs> Interesting. Like, let's all write down five words we associate, associate <laughs> yeah. with Courtney, and then let's uh, just bring them to the table, see what we get. It's one of those uh, things where I would forget any descriptive term for a human being ever. The second we started recording, I'd be like, she's a lady. All right. <laughs> let me let me count us in here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Second Bananas, the show about history's greatest Garfunkels, the clout behind the clout that you didn't know about. I'm Joe Stillwell. And I'm Craig. And we have with us today a very special guest. Ooh, uh, comedy improviser, sketch writer, performer, Della Haddock. Welcome, Della. Hello, thank you. I was like very eager introducing myself there. No, it's <laughs> fine. I, we've this is the second time we've done this, so yeah. it's yeah. You're uh, we're still working it out. Uh, but welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm uh, so we're excited. Very to excited to have you, and very excited to talk about uh, your pick in a lot of ways. I we someone we've always wanted to do, but like when you mentioned her, we were like, mm hmm, mm hmm. It's a big one. A big, big one. one. We're going to talk today about Courtney Love. Uh, lead singer, guitarist of Hole, uh, 
former spouse of Nirvana's Kurt Cobain, uh, musician, actress, uh, a lot of other things too. And uh, there's a lot to cover and a we're going to get into it. So. One might say. Mercurial personality, as we said. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to start putting it. I, uh, yeah, where should we start? Uh, I guess like let's let's no from the beginning is all from the beginning. So Courtney, well that's that's the whole thing. What I guess like let's start a little personal then. Like Della, what was your first like experience with Courtney Love? Like when do you remember sort of knowing oh, about yeah. her, or learning about her? Um, probably in like the early years of high school. It was kind of like. Um, like, you know, Jawbreaker was popular. That was like, and Hole was kind of like yes. hot girl shit back then, <laughs> those years. And it was like, um, so getting into Hole, like. Hole was not hot girl shit in my high school, by the way. Yeah. Rural Alberta is, Hole is not hot girl shit. <laughs> what was, like, what was uh, rural Albertan? Hot, hot girl, girl shit? shit. Uh, either you were into like, uh, probably like the Black Eyed Peas, or you were into, if you were a hot girl, or the other hot girl shit would be like, Miranda Land, not Miranda. What's the name? Um, what's the the country singer? Faith Hill, um, or oh, I don't know. I know all their like first and you last. You said Miranda, and I was like country music. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's that's an interesting. Uh, so sorry, continue. Yeah. I interrupted. Oh you. no, it was just um, you know, I guess also TV appearances that you'd see when you're like a teen, and she was kind of hitting that uh sort of that post MTV. rehab phase yeah like oh, the okay, yeah. and and always being on the red carpet or in you know uh grocery store magazines sort of thing throwing and, her makeup at madonna oh did she do that yeah there's some deep there's some deep madonna history actually there's, a, there's a, she this is like yeah. i i i want to get to craig's experience but she has like so much history with every single other like celebrity yeah. from this period like she was everywhere and it's fascinating. Yeah. And she'll but, tell you about it. That's a yes, great she will. so much on record for yeah, how she feels about people. That's the other thing is like how yeah. much information there was compared to every other person we've done on this podcast is like, there is so much information about <laughs> Courtney Love out there. It's overwhelming, actually. I was like, I hope we all <laughs> know. Uh, I think we all found things to concentrate it. on. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Craig, what was your kind of first experience with Courtney Love? was definitely through the kind of what you're describing of just a bit of, there was a few years when like post Kurt, um, that she was everywhere. Right. And, yeah. think, um, and so that was part of where I was exposed to her kind of in the immediate aftermath. And, you know, within my group of friends as like a, whatever I was, early teen at that stage um which is like prime prime nirvana territory for sure, sure. Um, we're all like dangerously close to revealing our ages i know i was like of, don't say you were a toddler don't say you were a toddler <laughs> yeah like i mean I'll, i'm fine with it i was in third grade oh, when yeah, was, Kurt cobain was, died by suicide so like ahead for sure yeah okay well but I in the before. aftermath of that it was <laughs> all it was kind of all courtney but i do like yeah and i think like that's interesting that she was still in the media this whole like we're all clearly kind of around the same time but different different ages by enough but she was still in the media through that whole time too which is like yeah that's a big 
the big thing that's always kind of resonated or not resonated, but just kind of seemed to emanate from her was media savvy, you know? Yeah. The, the ability to engage with the media in a way where she came out on brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and her brand was, you know, <clears throat> maybe a lot more unique or came, came across as a lot more authentic maybe then. And I, obviously she's matured as a public persona as well. But that really struck me was like this woman is everywhere mm-hmm. and also like continues to do things that are getting people's attention. Right. Yeah. Everyone guffaw and be like, Oh my God, how could she after, oh, after what happened to her husband? And all, oh, and I don't even know. Do you even know how involved she was? And just like that whole thing. Yeah. It's absolutely. like, she's riding, she's riding this wave, whichever way it breaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else was she going to do? Yeah. Well, that, she was shrewdly aware of, of her, mm-hmm. how people perceived her and her input into that public perception. I think yeah. all the time. I think she yeah. lived and breathed the awareness of yeah. how the public perceived her and loved it. Like oh. she loved fucking with people. She oh, big sure time. She is sure. uh, like her and like sure I think yeah. Kurt also was kind of like she is like an open bomb thrower. Like she loves yeah. starting the shit. And like I think if you look at Kurt Cobain, he was actually like, he, he was a shit stirrer, but he did not like to directly, like he, he wasn't like a confrontational person, but he wanted to like, he wanted to like break, like he was there. They were kindred spirits in that way. I think in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. they both really wanted to like, just they, like they were angry at a lot of things and, and rightfully so. And whatever, maybe they were a little to whatever for the gen x the gen gen x whatever they were total gen xers but yeah i think like they're you can't not look at the two of them and be like oh yeah i get it i get it like i totally get it absolutely they they were um compatible in so many ways it's a it's it's like i don't know i'm trying to think of equivalents in other genres and i'm like sir michelle geller and freddie french anyway it was just almost predestined that these two people that were hitting the same wave of fame in the sort of the same field it's the prom king and the prom queen they're like oh, john and yoko time. baby sid and nancy yeah i know uh, so like of course characters. yeah i know you wrote that on the document and i i know we're gonna get into it uh yeah. and they and again like speaking of like the awareness like they were both very aware mm-hmm. uh of those comparisons and like played with them in the public oh, perception absolutely. too in so. like so many quotes of um Courtney, even just in that like big Lynn Hirschberg, then 1992 Vanity Fair article, just being like, just call me Yoko Love. (laughs) (laughs) Just playing into it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Just call me whatever's the most polemic thing possible. That's going (laughs) to sell more of this magazine and get my name. And she had a, she had a small part in the movie, Sid and Nancy. Yeah. Which is actually an interesting part of her backstory. Um, because she was doing like extra work in LA after she'd moved back there for music Costume and work too. Yeah. And we so she, that's how she met, podcast, so yeah. I guess, are you, or apparently that's how she met Alex Cox. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Read for so the did part. you watch also, um, uh, uh, straight to hell? I watched bits of it because I, I was like, all right, I'm going to get into this. And then I was like, oh, I know exactly what type of movie this yeah. is. <laughs> it's like, I watched it. I did a double Weird. feature. I watched straight to hell 
and the people versus Larry Flint over the weekend, yeah. which are both two very like eh, movies, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was like for different reasons, but straight to hell is like, I really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever. Uh, it's, well, it's an intense movie. And what's her sort of real, um, what's her role like in that she's like well it's funny because like she is like the naggy girlfriend essentially Mm -hmm. but what's interesting is she's always right like the whole time she's the one that's like we should leave like it's fucked up that there's like a dead guy in a car outside the bar like we should leave and they're like all her all the guys in the gang are like nah we're fine shut up lady and then like but everything she says is like no that would be the best course of action of course then there would be no movie yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's it was definitely like, and it's also like, yeah, it's just like she's so young in that movie, she doesn't even have like the trademark like whiskey baritone that she has. Like her voice oh, is yeah. is totally just not. It's definitely higher too because obviously she's quite young, but like mm-hmm. she just doesn't have that like that like um that like uh, Courtney, l- l- voice beyond her years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it it's it works. Like she she makes it work in her music too. I think that's the other thing is like, whole is not whole without her like ability to switch between like different registers and go from that yeah. like nice you know like the chorus on like uh, celebrity skin to like mm-hmm. screaming on like doll parts or like Jennifer's that's body or whatever, right? Yeah. So. And just the difference in those albums, too, I think, you know, show her awareness of how she's going to market herself as a performer, but also within the context of who she is at that time and those years. And yeah, she's a bit of, she's stayed exactly the same, but she's changed. Like, there's, I don't know how she's done it. She's always changed. Now she's like, or a few years ago, you know, dating royalty or oh really i missed that part i I read that interview or an interview so wait who was she dating um tell us related to i don't even know how to i don't know much about the royal so i don't even know how to say her name but uh camilla bowles oh camilla parker bowles i just watched the crown y'all yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that about her. Like this, that's the thing is like, like you said, like there's so much fucking information about her life and not only her, like, like, I think the big thing I found, like we just did this jazz guy, Youssef Latif, mm-hmm. lots of information about his career, zero information about his personal life. Like, yeah. none. like, and he had like, he had two kids die before he did. Like he was like, he had like an, a, an, a very complicated personal life, but zero information about it. Whereas like Courtney, it's just like, behind the scenes footage like you can like find, yeah behind the scenes footage like mtv interviews you can find like literally like videos of other musicians like talking about her being asked about her like her mm-hmm. talking about all these other musicians um and yeah that's the other thing is like she like it's interesting that we picked her as a second banana because like she's a second banana to kurt but she yeah. also has like is like a russian nesting doll of people who are kind of second bananas to her right absolutely and the yeah just the whole itself right is so it's kind of everyone just thinks it's courtney love she thought it was enough of her to release their fourth album as just herself <laughs> so <laughs> which i was like wow um but uh yeah she has all of those those band members sort of tucked in behind her as well especially i mean her. it does sound like that album she wrote most of it herself while she yeah. was in rehab so that's like an interesting but interesting that she chose then to release it under the whole name and get into like multiple lawsuits with with Eric Erlinson yeah, like, over it. Well, it's my name. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. <laughs> mm. it, but 
didn't we all sort of participate in that? Well, that's what's also funny is like you you listen you watch interviews from like ninety seven, ninety eight when she's like blowing up, and she's like, well, yeah, I'm not really a solo artist. Like, I really need to work with a band, and I like I like working with a band. And and there's all those comments of her and Eric being like, yeah, like we really wrote this album together. Like it's this it's as much Eric's as it is mine. And then it's funny because now in like interviews now she's like oh yeah eric like sued me and it's like whatever just get over it man like just get over it (laughs) eric was the only one who was with her throughout yeah everything right and i I really didn't see his name coming up a lot when it was about you know like the publicity surrounding it It was always courtney so he wasn't really the yeah totally more more band focused than media persona and he seems like not right he yeah. also doesn't seem like a big personality in the way even a lot of the the other people in that scene mm-hmm. or that movement were like even like Kurt Cobain is like a pretty had a pretty distinct personality or even like Dave Grohl or Chris yeah. Novoselic or like all the guys from like you know Alice in Chains kind of had those big rock yeah. star vibes and and Eric almost strikes me more as just like a dude who likes to play guitar a lot to yeah me. and was and like appreciated the music and mm-hmm. I don't think Courtney could have made those songs without him totally. i mean he's written every song on especially on like live through this i, I haven't looked at explicitly who were the listed writers it's on all him the and billy corgan basically yeah, yeah well yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah billy, billy corgan. corgan oh my god showing up yeah. all the time such yeah. a peachy character in a couple of the <laughs> interviews i watched which i thought was so weird i was like why the fuck was she with billy corgan because he comes in he's like oh yeah we dated yeah <laughs> like well, she's she we're in love and you're like what there's like what's the pumpkin song yeah. she's like in every interview she's in she's like he wrote that about me oh no i know he wrote that about me and my other boyfriends have asked like are you sure it's about you she's like no i ever he wrote that about me and most of the songs from that era of the from those guys that are about yeah. women are about me and yeah. she always says that I, in every I interview hear I read with her. And people are always like, are you sure? Are you not just being self-obsessed? And she's like, I'm not fucking self-obsessed. And you're like, then why are you talking about yourself? Because, like, she loves why are we having conversation. I think like that's yeah. the thing is like this. I think like Courtney Love is so fascinating because on one hand, she was totally given like all this undeserved bullshit around Kurt Absolutely. and his death and her like his like career and everything. And yet she is just like, she is such like she's so aggressive and abrasive to people and like and and like every person she's worked with it's like one point she loves them and then the next point she hates them (laughs) uh there's a quote from um a more like a maybe like a 2011 interview and uh it says when she happens to you it's (laughs) when she (laughs) happens to you It's She's like a being with man, a yeah. force of nature. That's what she said. She's like, it's like being caught up in a cyclone. <laughs> and uh, this person, you know, had to deal with texts all the time and being invited into her personal life. I do think she's quite personable um, in the sense that, like, you know, you all have a friend who might, you would also call it a train wreck at times, but you just can't stop feeding into their personality. They keep you interested. Even though you're right. like, and I think it was die like, because of this? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was also like the. Sorry, Craig, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like they take you to like the edge, <laughs> and that's what's fun about this relationship is yeah. that this is where this person likes to spend time is on the edge. They're comfortable in this space, and mm-hmm. I'm not. So I'm like, ooh, I'll be a tourist. 
close to yeah. the edge. But then once you're there, you're like, yeah, this is super fun. And then after a while, you're like, we're really close to the edge still. <laughs> like, yeah. Whatever it is in all sorts of yeah. allegorical ways that you can yeah. imagine that. And eventually yeah. I'm just like, uh, I'm going to go home and read a book. Yeah. <laughs> I think people get like, tired of, of yeah. her, right? Like she, you're in it and you're in her life and then you're exhausted and you just can't deal with it anymore. And I don't know how people separate themselves from from her. Well, I really don't. I think they I think when they do that's what causes problems and I think right. also what was really interesting to me was what was the um the the, the I listened to that um uh you're wrong about episode yeah, yeah, her, yeah. and they said like the one host was like yeah like she seems like not necessarily a person you 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 have an easy time being friends with but it's much worse to have her as an enemy yeah <laughs> that's exactly like she's full of piss and vinegar right like she's will absolutely the stuff that she says has said about dave Grohl in very (laughs) public spaces is brutal didn't you tell him that kurt like hated his guts too or something like that she accused him of uh you know wanting to have a sexual relationship with francis bean oh yeah like she has she goes for people she's like i don't even care if it's a lie yeah yeah well that's the thing she she does seem like she'll say anything and that's Mm -hmm. the hard part with her it's like and not only that like she will she will say anything about she'll say whatever is sort of like um her her like whatever she's thinking in the moment is just like what whatever she's sort of like vibing on is like what she believes Mm -hmm. too which is like really fascinating like even listening to interviews from like five years ago versus now or like 20 years ago like Mm -hmm. and she is like she uses that like that sort of like just being brutally honest overshare as like almost like a a a shield too like it's the way she gets out in front of things she's really good at creating that wall oh for sure and that's something from that uh episode that you mentioned that uh that i really took away was just kind of that whole overshare like thing of like i dare you to mm-hmm. interrogate that last statement <laughs> like i dare yeah. you you're not going to be able to use it in a column you're not going to be able to put it on like you really yeah. want to talk about whatever whatever it is that she's like she wants them, to challenge people like, and she's it. like yeah. daring them to challenge her back yeah. and, and i don't yeah. think a lot of people do because no. she's super scary <laughs> <laughs> but this is the media savvy like, yeah, it's coming through, right? She knows how to play it so that she's almost like bullying these, mm-hmm. you know, um, journalists or reporters or whoever it is um, in this passive way because the realization that they need something from her. Yeah. yeah. The, the interaction isn't complete until they've got what they came for mm-hmm. and until she gets to, you know, use the platform for what she wants. And like, like you said, Joe whatever she's feeling at the moment it could be if it's like trashing dave Grohl or something or whatever um or then making up with dave Grohl 10 years later because oh, perfect. That award yeah. show right? yeah. <laughs> we're like because that that's another... also a spectacle yeah right? absolutely yeah. Well, that's and great people love that lawyers are watching so they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're always that's uh <laughs> well that's the uh even beyond that it's like um even like the way she'll she'll like compliment and neg one of her collaborators in it. like the stuff mm-hmm. she said about Melissa Oftermar, who is like 
like that's just like she'd be one minute she'd be like oh melissa's great like she didn't know how to play when we first met but i taught her (laughs) and like and she's just so like great and beautiful and that really helps and like but she's like also like just such a music nerd now and like it's just like that back and forth of like holy shit and it does feel like it's just like her like letting her gut speak right Mm -hmm. and it both like makes her like that's part of the the whole fascination is like you're like oh my god no no oh my god oh yeah. my oh my god did she just say that <laughs> people couldn't look away and it just especially um around 97 98 when she was like taking off with the acting career and then recreating herself for this like red carpet persona Right. And then that's when Celebrity Skin came out in 98. And that itself speaks to the whole thing. She's basically saying, yeah, I reinvented myself. And this is, she's mocking it, but she's also like showing that she kind of prayed at its altar for a while. Yeah. And- well, and, and yeah, like recognize, like being like, ha look at me. I'm full of shit, folks. Like, yeah. That, like I, yeah. yeah, I'm part of this. Like even just the way she, she, she is like, like a sort of very upfront about her sexuality and her personal life and stuff in a way that's like both like kind of like, like plays into that. Like, like if you watch whole videos from that period, they are like so horny. Like they're so aggressively like, like, like sexual without being like explicitly sexual too. Like it's. Yeah. There was an interesting, um, sorry. In the, uh, like I watched these, this compilation of clips of her being interviewed sort of from like 91 to 93 and those first years before their first studio album. And uh, she had this way of like men were yelling at her, right? Like from the audience. And she had this way of just sort of like batting off their compliments, kind of just like keeping them kind of placated, like keeping them at bay, which is like what all women have learned to do in a way of saying like, instead of saying, shut the fuck up and leave me alone, I'm on stage. She's like, oh no, like, I know. Oh, and then she just tears into these songs about like rape and abortion. And you're like, oh fuck, (laughs) like she knows like where that line is and how to like sort of, yeah, walk that. I want you to want me, but I'm also going to force my version of my sexuality down your throat it's like i actually oh yeah like i remember one time i was watching a brunch show like uh like a local duo and uh ali uh and whistle was like playing she was deliberately playing very coy and then in the middle of the scene like it's it's it was parodying like the the the, like manic pixie dream girl from romantic comedies and in the middle of it she goes i'm being coy like as a as a way (laughs) of like like both like like and that's what courtney love does all the time was like that might we might have to i don't know maybe that was a weird that was a a very like specific reference, but (laughs) (laughs) shout out to brunch comedy. We miss your live brunch. Yeah. Love your podcast. Um, and, uh, now I feel like I should say their full podcast name. (laughs) Oh, oh, right. Yeah. Don't, uh, when Carrie met Allie, when Allie met Carrie, it's about about rom-coms. Check that out. They know what they're talking about. And, I mean, was did Courtney Love ever land in a rom com herself? Uh, Man in the Moon was sort of rom com y. And then, oh, Feeling Minnesota was like this Cameron Diaz movie that she had a a small part as like a waitress in. And that was sort of rom com y, um, like gross point blank without the the hitman angle kind of thing. Okay. Like a guy who goes to his hometown and falls in love with a girl, I think. Also like the reverse Hallmark because it's a dude, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> She's never been in a Hallmark movie. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. Just it's didn't so, mind it. 
perfect for them. But Very yeah, I think palatable. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like what you said too about her like changing so much and still being the same. Like there was like, but there was a period in the '90s where she was like, I think she was up there with like Monica Lewinsky as like the punchline about like yeah. like like messy women or whatever you want to call oh, it. Right? Sure. Like, yeah. She was like absolutely crucified in that period in the same yeah. way a lot of women are like around that time were just like both like a figure of fascination and also like the the like the scapegoat for yeah. everything that was wrong with culture and like women right so but she was low-hanging fruit she was a widower um she and was an addict a right a constantly success- recovering addict she was like successful uh sexually positive or like confident female she was and unapologetic she was, about it yeah. yeah unapologetic and, and an, an addict and somebody who was kind of unabashed in there just like whatever doing what everything that yeah. we've just been discussing um and she, so she totally like walked into it but at the same time it was just so impressive to see her just be like yeah this is whatever and she yeah. just like kind of tweaks the edges of whatever the overall like zeitgeist is with regards to her and was just like, yeah. And then the rest of it can, whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm still getting paid. You know, there was or, like a brief period of time within the, like when she started um, being like red carpet ready. I think people were like, Oh, you know what? She's and speaking in about her like physical presentation and how she spoke to that. But they're like, Oh, maybe she's like hot enough now <laughs> for us to like, put up with it like kind of like she's crazy like angelina jolie but angelina jolie is fucking hot that we like deal with the fact that she wears blood around her neck like all this wild shit and courtney love was not given that you know freedom and and then for a while she was and i think that there was quite a bit of we're talking about how people allow women to exist like more if they're more beautiful we give them more free reign so to speak and i think with kurt it didn't matter if he was moody or suicidal. Like we as a society are so okay with the male tortured artist or the dude with baggage, but with women, it's like, you well, have yeah. to be exceptional. Well, especially like the nineties, especially it was like a mania yeah. for like the tortured weirdo outsider artist. Yeah. like not just in, not just in, in music, but like in movies and TV mm-hmm. and like almost every form of media, it was like, the slacker weirdo with a deep soul, right? Like that was Mm -hmm. like the male archetype of the nineties was like Kurt Cobain fucking um, who's the actor, like the Phoenix brothers, like that kind of thing who were often like addicts or like messy Robert Downey Jr. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's a great example of like, literally I think they were like dirt, like, like addicted to drugs, got clean around the same time Mm -hmm. um, and just had a completely different, like experience like i think like even winona Ryder, who was like a lot more yeah. like they people were softer to her probably because you're right because she's like more pretty than courtney or whatever oh, right yeah, and she's like a big yeah. movie star actress but even they, she got like so much oh, shit for being like so ready to take one point of weakness i think in a successful woman and be like well this is proof that women should not be successful we tried that we tried that it's over yeah. we're not doing it again yeah. what makes the whole like cancel culture outrage thing um i mean obviously there's mm-hmm. limits 
of course, but just generally like a, a balancing out of the ability to be called out about mm-hmm. just sh- doing shitty things or whatever um, and not have it just be men get a pass, gorgeous women get a pass some of the time. Gorgeous yeah. As long as they're not too like outspoken. Yeah. And they'll get paid less for the rest of their career. Sure. Yeah, right. totally. Well, that's obviously granted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you aren't fortunate enough to be like this archetype and are mm-hmm. not on the male side of whatever, then, you know, you're pretty cancelable. Yeah. You're pretty, yeah. you're pretty replaceable. Or worse, you're like, you're like literally the subject of like every late night show hosts monologue <laughs> in the right. least, the most unfunny, like, like, least like generous, just, yeah. just be, being yeah. a punchline way. Yeah. Like, worst. I, I think like that is the hardest part to watch of a lot of stuff in that time was like, yeah. just how much like, and Monica Lewinsky or and Courtney Love was just like a punchline and not yeah. even like there wasn't even like a no good context. joke because there are ways to like talk about that shit and like and like even like you know like satire and lampoon Courtney Love mm-hmm. without being like a fucking like douche misogynist about it but that's oh, not totally. what they were doing at the time yeah. Yeah. No, they were like let's double down on the doucheogeny and then like <laughs> doucheogeny <laughs> we've coined a phrase folks <laughs> Stella's coined it a portmanteau yeah, <laughs> yeah, get a little t-shirt um but uh even uh like with the monica Lewinsky, thing, like that was a lesson for a lot of young women that wasn't taught to them that mm. uh you will be f- portrayed in a certain way but for the wrongdoings of men and that's not your fault and yeah. you're still allowed to claim victimhood uh I st- for me, it's like with Courtney Love. It's the Barbara Walters interview. Oh is my god! Rough. Barbara you- Walters is so ag- aggro. Like I don't know how else to describe it. Like and what world? Yeah, she's aggro. Courtney, and- but Courtney, I, I'm just saying what people are thinking. Like, like, it's like- did you ever use heroin in front of your daughter? <laughs> and you're like, oh, Barbara. You're like, who, who, who in their right? Or asking, do you feel responsible for your husband's death? Yeah, that is an asshole thing to say yeah, to someone. Totally. especially like after you've barraged them with like 30 already like intense questions like yeah. that right um, like testing their sobriety you're like are you my parole officer <laughs> babs like why are you doesn't she literally head? ask her like are you high right now like, yeah <laughs> yeah she asked her about prozac she's like you're not even on prozac she's like oh am i not on my antidepressant like, <laughs> Yeah. I should be because of this fucking conversation. Yeah. Like, yeah. what a drag. Well, that but. was always the thing. I think, like, even like you watch, I found like some Saturday Night Live sketches with Molly Shannon as Courtney Love, uh-huh. and they were less bad than I thought they'd be. Okay. Like, there were a couple. Like, I think Molly Shannon does actually a pretty good job of being like, kind of like like making fun of the parts of Courtney Love that mm-hmm. aren't just misogynistic. But like, half the punchlines are like just like like. I'm going to try and make out with this guy yeah, like yeah. stuff like that. So yeah. like I'm so high. Isn't it funny? It's like, mm-hmm. no, actually it's get uh, all the bruises on my body. Like, okay, yeah, right? Oh it's, my God. A rock and roll chick has terrible. bruises on her body. I, I wonder how she got those. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like she could be throwing around her guitar. Like also all these other things where you're like, yeah, she, like think of the sh- shit that you've heard about male rock stars. Yeah. Oh, yeah right? Absolutely. And it gets like, lionized yeah <laughs> well, she, yeah it's part of like rock and roll legend she's not Even biting like, the heads off bats or 
Kurt Cobain was like, and he was like, quote unquote, one of the good ones. Like clearly it was the nineties or whatever, but he was like, at least in some ways, like openly feminist. Like he said, like, you hate women, don't come to our shows. Like don't fucking talk about Courtney that way. You have to be pretty. Like he wrote in his album, like, like don't fucking like say shit. Like I wrote all her songs. Like you have to be pretty fucking naive to think that, but like Mm -hmm. there's like a live set. And obviously it was kind of like they were, whatever but he goes like oh courtney love is like the best fuck of my life or whatever like and obviously there's like that's also them playing with the perception of people but it also Mm -hmm. is like you know how that's gonna be received like you like and obviously he was just saying it he was like this was like kurt cobain completely given over to heroin and like just hating being a rock star so he was probably Mm -hmm. also speaking off the top of his gut but like it was it's just like that's how everybody talked about her in that period yeah so ex- much expected her to be um yeah like i like us a, a slut like that was what was people were trying to frame her as and you're like well she was you know married in a she's never been married again she was in a pretty committed yeah. relationship um yeah but and they're rock stars like they probably were all having orgies with each other like he was probably doing it too who can't like they were yeah exactly what's the point (laughs) what is the point of being a rock star if you're not having orgies with all your rock star friends Um, (laughs) like i don't want to do it i wouldn't want that job unless that was like part and parcel part of it yeah that's exactly exactly yeah (laughs) that yeah that green room better be full before i go on (laughs) full and ready we're gonna cover everything in latex and we're just gonna wipe it off after it'll be perfect (laughs) people Uh, thought for me love was dirty oh that was yeah 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 other thing about her but yeah i think Um, there's a big stigma um, that automatically gets put on females in particular when you seek success as like aggressively and mm-hmm. and like we've kind of noted I guess unapologetically like she's just like yeah I want this I want to do this I want this mm-hmm. to be successful I want this to work and, and these are the steps I have to take it, well exactly. and- I'm playing the game and working within the you know whatever for better or worse like the way that things are and and also like she was ambitious and she obviously wanted to be a rock star and famous and all this stuff but she also really i think like what really pissed people off is she only wanted it on her own terms like she mm-hmm. apparently turned down madonna's record label yeah which is like like so yeah. it's like that's a fascinating thing which like clearly in the 90s they were like oh look at this diva like she's she's turning down madonna but yeah. it's like yeah she didn't want like madonna to come in and turn her into another madonna yeah. like she wanted to be courtney love and so she waited until she could get like the rock label because in the 90s it was like what label you were on determined the kind of music you made yeah and right. then at the same time she's also going more pop with every album mm-hmm. and that's like you know, like, oh, she's selling out. She's going more pop. She knows how to write a bridge now. Like, yeah, like yeah. it's both that, like, oh, well, she's doing it on her own terms, but she's still also, like, she didn't want to be a Madonna's label, but she wrote this pop record. And it's like, yeah, well, fuck you. She can do like, what she wants. There's tracks on, you know, in utero, or, you know, and never mind that are arguably marketable, written to be more oh, marketable. Totally. And, like, you can't yes. ignore that for any musician who's at that level and wants to be at that level and is like yeah i want to play ten thousand. i want that to be my minimum show 
Right. Well, uh, and especially for a woman at the time, like, yeah, like we saw the Courtney probably saw the limits that like every other girl she'd been in a band with, like L7, Babes in Toyland, Bikini Kill, like they would hit that ceiling and it'd be like, yeah, I mean, they're cool and all, but I don't want to hear a woman scream about rape. You know, yeah. like I don't want to like they I like. And so she's both like, like doing like doing the thing that will get her that number one hit, but also doing it in a way that was honestly like a lot more subversive than people give her credit for. Like, like you said, like even celebrity skin is like an album about all those things. Mm -hmm. Like there's a song called like with the lyrics, like he hits so hard and I saw stars. Like there's like, I think even like I watched the video for Malibu and Malibu is the most like radio friendly song on that album. Apparently that song did really well in Australia. And I was like, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> it's definitely like a you're on your bike holding yeah. your surfboard sort of song. For but, sure. Uh, that was my take on Malibu. <laughs> There's still that shot in the video of like all the Baywatch babes holding plastic babies that Courtney's and Courtney's oh. like walking through them to the water. And that's like it's it's sort of like very par of court par for the course of the 90s. But it's also like, yeah, like a lot of other artists wouldn't have put that in their video if they were going to make this kind of song, right? Like, it's not even really a statement. It's kind of like a ha-ha, like, wink-wink joke. But it's still there, and it's still more than a lot of other, uh, like, rock artists who made that pop song for the radio, like, did in those videos, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's always interesting. Sorry. Going for a wider audience. No, I it's it's the nature of being not in the same room as each other yeah Yeah. physical cues there's a slight delay here don't mind me okay (laughs) i'll talk now (laughs) um but i was gonna say that and nirvana actually got let off the hook big time because they didn't have to go into their well we're resigned to being a pop rock Mm -hmm. act now because there's a whole genre built around us that it's moving in a direction that we can't do anything about so unless they an about face or i don't know whatever um you know there people a lot of people who liked nirvana in the 90s wouldn't have liked the nirvana outside of the 90s exactly and they have the benefit of only having those three albums too right like that's their body of work they didn't have to age through the late 90s and the 2000s and go through you know boy bands and girl bands and um new metal <laughs> Sorry, we, I, we have a thing metal. for new metal on the podcast. That's <laughs> like uh, uh, Fred, Fred Durst and shit, right? Yeah, yeah no, well, that's like the, that's like the apotheosis of grunge in a lot of ways. Like, like yeah. Courtney had to like do that, like in a way. Like, I don't even mean that in a bad way. I just like. Like, yeah, it's like, what do you do? We, we talked about Rage Against the Machine on another episode where after like four albums, you're kind of like, guys, like what's, are you, are you doing a revolution or are you just selling records here? Like what's, what's yeah. happening, right? Like, like Kurt never had to do that. Courtney did like, and not that she was ever like, yeah, fucking like bulls on parade. Some of those that were yeah, horses yeah, yeah. or any shit like that. But like, she was in that scene of like that rebellion and talking about like these issues and stuff. Um, and yeah, she had, and I like, honestly, like of all of them, she's probably done the best in terms of just being like, I just write about what I write about. Cause it is like, you can tell her lyrics come from her gut, just like everything else she does and they're real and raw and they don't, they don't age in a way that even like, I think a lot of like say Pearl Jam stuff has yeah, yeah. Uh, because they're not about like issues of the day and not that you shouldn't write those songs either. It's okay for things to age. Mm-hmm. I just like. I can listen to those those whole songs and be like, yeah. this is, sounds like the shit that's coming out now. 
Yeah. Same in, in, in a good way. Sorry. And she talks um, a lot about like her feminism, I guess, and how she like hates left wing feminism right now, but how uh, in that Lynn Hirschberg article, they call her post feminist. Yeah. And then the, the sort of description after that is, Oh, she just wants to, to be loved or something. What? It's something like, a, it's something like truly. <laughs> She's so post-feminist. She's wrapped all the way back around to looking for daddy's approval. Yeah. Like she just wants, yeah, to be loved. And you're like, ah, Oh, if she does want to be loved <laughs> based on her track record. Yeah. But um, well, the Madonna thing too is like, well, that was also her first out offer. That was like their band's first major. Yeah. That label was new. And then she went with um, the same label that Nirvana was on. Right. So Jeffin, yeah. Yeah. Then uh, they were all like, oh, well, How'd you get that? How'd you sign that? I guess you just get your you, husband yeah. to talk to Jeffin about that. I think she was like, you know what? If you're um, narrow-minded enough to think that the only reason I got signed to this label or that I'm successful is because I'm married to who I'm married to, then like, I don't give a fuck about you anyway. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's the thing I think that pisses people off the most is she's just like, she'll either, she'll be like, yeah, so what? Mm-hmm. Or she'll be like, of course not, you fucking idiot. Like, what are you going to do about it anyway? I'm signed. Like, she's yeah. still signed to the label. She's still got the record coming yeah. out. Like, that's what pisses deal. people off the most is yeah. she's doing all this stuff that she's not supposed to do, and she's getting away with it. That's mm-hmm. what pissed people off about her, right? Like, Well, then it's like, not what? like it's undeserved at all, right? She no. Played, she's played in bands before Hole that have sprouted, like, these like super groups these like staples of alternative rock female alternative rock mm-hmm. right um and so it's not like it's like an anomaly for her to end up having a big having a career as a fucking musician like as a professional musician well, i i it's literally like she's working towards and people are like oh yeah how'd you get that yeah it's well, can't believe you it's achieved what you wanted literally like she she was what she was doing since she was 16 and right. that's the thing yeah. is like there are people who never get what courtney got and still keep doing it mm-hmm. uh in the same situations right but they're just not as whatever i think that was that was like um what was like uh, i had a thing uh just she like even by all accounts when she first started to try and play in bands with like Cat Bajeland or Bjelland mm-hmm. of like Babes in Toyland like she mm-hmm. couldn't even play guitar and she had to like sing the songs and get Cat to like transcribe them yeah. and mm-hmm. that's that relationship in particular like we gotta do an episode on Cat Bjelland. It's like it's such like it is like the perfect like like I I think what's funny is like. I don't want to play it off as like a a girl's thing because what we don't talk about is boys have these kinds of like frenemy relationships too. Like, and they're, they manifest in different ways, but that's clearly like, they're both like, why are you so obsessed with me? Why are you so, that's like their whole thing (laughs) to each other. And they are both like obsessed with each other and they love each other and they hate each other all at the same time. And it's beautiful and it's so fun to watch. But then that gets processed through the media in the nineties. It's like, uh, cat fight these these yeah. ladies are about to like rip each other's clothes off and fight in mud it's like no yeah. they just like they're like they're, competing business women right they're big personalities <laughs> that yeah, they're, are they're like setting boundaries for each yeah, other yeah 
and and also like have very similar tastes and that's what almost sets them drives them apart is they can't stand how much alike they are and how they occupy the same space and like i know that feeling as like a as a a loud guy with like very distinct opinions it's like i get into a space with another loud guy with very distinct opinions and we're like I used to go to auditions uh, in past life as an actor, auditioning actor. And um, you'd go into a room and you'd be like, oh, everyone in here looks like me. Fuck all of you. <laughs> Even though you could be best friends with these. Like, it's just like you're forced to be pitted against each other yeah. as women. Cause you're like, there's not enough room for us up here at the top. Ugh. Get yeah, down. Well, when, when you see yourself, I think as an, an ambitious person, as a talented person, when you see yourself reflected in like a competitive situation when you see a threat on the you know on the horizon then you're kind of like all right well i either got to be on the same side as this person Mm -hmm. this threat which i'm not willing to do (laughs) because that's gonna mean i'm gonna have to be like play playing second fiddle or i'm gonna take charge of the situation which might just mean like either giving them their space or making them give me my space. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, like they're, they're competitive business women, but they're also like collaborators and like, it doesn't matter how like simpatico you are as to collaborators. Like the, there's a point where you're going to disagree over a crucial decision in the collaboration process. And you're going to have to like, 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 yeah grind it out like butt up against each other until either someone kind of gives a little bit of ground or like you come to that rare compromise that works and there's still going to be sore feelings about it and like you can see that in their process of like their song like the first the songs on cole's first ep have like I, near identical lyrics and me- melodies to a bunch of babes in toyland song oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's clear that like they they collaborated a bunch and then decided like, this isn't working anymore. We have to yeah. like, not that they were even like unable to but make were, music together, but yeah. You know, like young and you know, you can imagine the stories they tell about each other when they were first working together. You're like, yeah, you're probably sitting on some like really gross carpet. Yeah. And you know, with, I don't want to say with fleas. <laughs> I don't know. Like rough. I don't know. We're talking about punks here. There were probably yeah, like right? yeah, like lice or like, you know, the toilet's broken. Yeah. So everyone's peeing in the one room that you don't go yeah. into. And you're like, oh, we don't flush because of the environment. Yeah. You're like, we can't flush. Even worse, like, I think they were all like, you know, like barely, they weren't 20 yet. So like, they're still yeah. like essentially like, Kids, yeah. full of teenage like post-puberty hormones and angst mm-hmm. like like for me i don't know about you two but like for me the most angsty age was when i was like 17 to 20 basically yeah, yeah. like i i think like as a 15 year old i was so much like emotional torture just yeah. from dealing with my own shit through those years i'd be like ah it was way more than when it was it's less predictable than when you're going through puberty or something mm-hmm. right like but, well, uh, and it feels more—it feels more real because you're in the adult world, and you're like, "I'm an adult now. I have to make adult decisions." Like, like, oh, why can't things just be like when we were 15 again? But yeah. you also don't have that, like, that foresight to look back and be like, 
oh, this is just like when I was fighting with, uh, you know, like Steve, but like we yeah, were yeah, both yeah. being enormous jerks. Like we were just butting heads because we yeah. were like full of emotion and we didn't know how to yeah. just talk to each other and be like, man, I'm really stressed out about rent right now. Like, can you just cut me a break today? Like, I, I <laughs> and don't know. it turned into like millions of dollars in their pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they just, like, it escalated for well, sure beyond, I think, their, uh, what they could have perceived but also courtney was like never got the chance to have that like she was living in the adult world from a very young age and so i think she was a bit more scrappy and like ready to stand her ground and had to to survive i think like like she was stripping at like 17 or something like that like yeah like imagine being a 17 year old stripping in like clubs in like i think she was in england she was like in london then like la and stuff like that like alaska like like imagine the boundaries yeah like (laughs) like i i think just imagine the boundaries you have to set like hard and like be like uh like like almost like it's like you you develop that like i'm mm-hmm. gonna i'm gonna hit them first like not hit them literally but like i'm gonna i'm gonna put my boundaries out there first i'm gonna aggressively establish this like mm-hmm. who's in charge because like that's the only way this person will actually listen to me so and it's sort yeah. of where she established her like um putting on like a external presentation because she was like well no one's gonna pay me if i don't there's lots of quotes of her saying, you know, like white heels, you know, hair pieces, all this stuff right. as a dancer. And she knew that this is what she had to do in order to pay her bills, in order to, she had to look a certain way mm-hmm. and she was okay with that because she was orchestrating it and that was her choice. But I mean, especially in the nineties, people didn't want to know that women were like, I voluntarily was like, you know, a sex worker or yeah. an exotic dancer. This or, is part of my plan. This is part of what yeah. 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 Totally. And, um, Absolutely. Or like, yeah, there were things about it that I enjoyed. Like that, mm-hmm. imagine like, like that part, even like, even yeah, not like, just saying like, I love being a stripper, but like, oh yeah, like it sucked. And I, like, I got like threatened by like dudes with like knives, but like also like there was a power in performing and I learned about myself and how my body works and stuff, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah your sexuality. If, and if you say that in the nineties, people are like, boo. So yeah. yeah they're like, I don't want to hear about <laughs> that nonsense. You tuck that. Talk that sexuality in your pocket, young lady. I don't want to know it. Keep it out of sight. You don't tell us anything. Well, I think part of the the confrontational like persona as well, especially with other like peers for mm-hmm. her at that time or even through her career, is also like nineties is the nineties is totally where like beef like yeah. beef culture <laughs> uh, had its culture. genesis, right? So yeah, that's true. just obviously it may it may not have been as intentional as it might be painting it with that description but you got to know that if having a like public confrontation with the lead the you know the female lead of another rock band mm-hmm. is gonna, or madonna right right <laughs> the and like the news cycle movie. became very different during that time so yeah, people sure. would hear about it, it more and well like, mtv yeah. was like constantly it was like music videos and gossip and that was what was yeah. on mtv at the time right so yeah, yeah I, get some headlines up after you, and suddenly you're selling a few more tickets on the road, selling a few more albums, whatever you get. Yeah. Well, magazine here or there, and I think that's a really good like pivot into the concept of if Courtney orchestrated right, like because she's oh. orchestrating selling um, 
more tickets or getting her, you know, more notoriety. Like, did she, was her marriage to Kurt a part of, uh, I, I genuinely think that, of course, they were romantically yeah. in love with each other and quite infatuated. But was it also, at the same time, could, could it, is it mutually exclusive of being like, well, this is a smart decision i mean i think it's interesting too because like she did she also had dated billy corgan and she'd also like she had literally dated every other rock star like like especially like musicians not even rock stars like Mm -hmm. they weren't a lot of them weren't big when she dated them like and i don't know if it was like like it's also a combination of like that's probably who she's genuinely attracted to is like like brassy dudes who can like hold your your attention on stage and like sing a good song like if she's into that she probably values that in a partner too right i think she's she believes in her abilities and i think she wanted to be with someone who was just as capable of success yeah Yeah. Yeah. at her level and i think that is her future level yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, well, she's like, like, who do you date? Who else do you date? Who else is on yeah. when you're a musician? Who else is on your schedule? You and know? is it like, any, like is it different from sort of like the boxes you're checking if you're entering into a long term relationship or marrying someone and you're just like, well, we're just not famous. So I'm I'm thinking like, oh, um, you know, do you want to travel as much as I do? But for her, she's like, do you want to be as hugely successful as I do? And can right. we go through that together? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, like that's kind of a normal thing to think about i guess in relationships yeah i don't think i don't think it um was outside of her calculation in the slightest but like you said i also believe that they were people yeah. two people that had a lot of love for each other and well and maybe almost too much alike in in certain ways in and certain ways challenges <laughs> yeah and I, kind of an outsider to like intervene and be like eh, lay off the whatever yeah you know, obviously it, people, and, and they had their reasons for the, the substance use um, mm-hmm. uh, more or less valid is debatable but to kind of enable each other in the way that they did yeah, for a while it, was it's the classic like enabling dependency for sure relationship and i I mean, I've seen writing from Kurt's own hand or whatever that said that he tried and was using heroin years before. It's kind of hazy when they met, but, you know, for at least a couple of years. And a lot of people were like, well, the only reason he got into heroin is because of Mm -mm. Courtney Love. And it's like, no, I think maybe like she fucking loved it too. But like once you have someone to hang out with and do it with all the time, like use with, it's kind of. Well, and also that whole thing, like the, what I learned about researching this episode, he had like chronic stomach pains whenever he ate and like, no wonder he was addicted to, to like drugs that would stop the pain. Like, like almost everyone with chronic pain needs some kind of like thing to like dull that edge. Right. Whether it's like find any cause for it. Right. It was kind of something that was, they thought it was sort of psychosomatic and that was probably frustrating to him, but it also could have been a bit of both right it was very real and very physical but he was an extremely depressed and suffering yeah and a thinker and a, a person tough, tough situation yeah and it's mm-hmm. like this it's as a feedback loop right like you like you stress about it and you worry about it like maybe it is all just in my head oh man and that causes mm-hmm. it more even you know it, yeah. both the psychological and the physical parts of it and then you're also this guy who like constantly being like oh the world's so fucked like we need to like fix yeah. the world like that's part of like and then your band's name is showing up on uh, you know people are wearing your t-shirt uh with your face on it 
and you're looking at them, you're like, oh, I never wanted you. Yeah. Yeah, like, like he was so uh, crushed by like finding out like that girl was like assaulted to one of his songs at his like or like around the concert or whatever. Like, and it's just like, and like that's the thing is like, whatever. Like anyone to me, anyone who's like, oh, Courtney killed Kurt or like she drove him to suicide. I'm like, nah. Like he was already obsessed with it, and he was like completely like hated his life by the end he did like really dismissive of mental health right and i think (laughs) in back back in that time when it happened like that wasn't on the table as much but there's you know after his death courtney was very afraid of people doing copycat suicides and tried to start a conversation about mental health and depression and she it was absolutely railroaded by the conspiracy theories of um someone who tried to arguably or i guess sort of controversially tried to commit suicide six months before right yeah and escaped from a rehabilitation center and days later to succeed yeah yeah Yeah. like it's well and they had been like taking the guns away and he just happened to find one of them because he came back the house no one was like sober enough to stop him or whatever and then they had that like separate room above the garage which isn't part of the main house so it's just like Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like you read the whole thing and you're just like you just see like a complete tragedy and not that like yeah. like I think it's just like so hard like I'm a big like I just I just it's like the, the everyone's like using drugs, they're hazy, they're not really in their right mind like and like she still has to go through her grief process like and that's yeah. messy and imperfect. Like- it, yeah. Yeah, she was what like 26 or something when this happened like yeah. Cause like, like he was 27. So she, like, she's around the same age as him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think like, I, I just, I, I even get a little of it, like just trying to make it like an easy, like clean, like, yeah, this was the fucking problem. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, I'm not saying that I think everybody who like thought that or whatever is just like only thinks it cause they hate Courtney, but like, obviously it's a big part of it, but like people were yeah. just like trying to make sense of this thing. And like, nobody was talking yeah. about suicide or mental health at the time. Well, there's something so much more satisfying at like a cultural level, especially. And if you look at the time that's passed in between, um, mm-hmm. you can pick out so many examples. It's probably almost cliche, but it's so much more satisfying to think of it being like some sort of, um depraved situation where this yeah where this succubus like because then the story like lives on yeah yeah exactly as opposed to the fact that we live in a culture that doesn't prioritize mental health that doesn't prioritize addiction or like uh treatment to addiction issues generally that doesn't necessarily like worry about the spectacle outside of the frame like who is this mm-hmm. amazing artist who's doing these things and that everyone is you know that's even winning over the douchebags and the fucking yeah. frat, frat boy dude bros yeah. Yeah. it's like Enjoy yeah like uh, maybe shirts or whatever but <laughs> maybe it's yeah. your fault man maybe you shouldn't go to nirvana shows and yell the n-word you know like maybe yeah, you shouldn't yeah, be yeah. a huge douche and, and like honest. maybe <laughs> like maybe you just don't want to admit your own culpability and like that you you fed on this like you absolutely ate up this like oh i'm a suffering artist and like i'm so misunderstood but you also didn't consider why in any way or how your behavior and your whatever is like affecting him that lynn hirschberg interview was done in 92 right so there's no 
when I was reading it, I had the like sort of like shiver up my spine realization that she, that I'm reading something that existed before his death. Right. And that this is almost like, and the way she describes him is very tragic. And she has no context of what's going to happen two years later. Mm-hmm. And you add up all of that and it's, I mean, he didn't want to leave the house. He had a hard time leaving the house. She goes with them to go buy some cigarettes and he's sees someone wearing a Nirvana shirt. He's crushed by it. And he's just worried about being hassled wherever he goes. Like his face was plastered everywhere. And it was like, he reached a level of like pop celebrity that has destroyed so many people Mm -hmm. since. Right. Like, yeah. I was thinking about um, Amy Winehouse earlier because I was thinking, well, mm. her, you know, she, she and Janis Joplin were also very tortured and people yes. accepted them because they were exceptional. But um, there was no conspiracy theory to lash on to to their deaths yeah. or people just accepted it. And then it ended and people are obsessed with their life story, but there was nothing dragging out the idea of their death, right? It was right. an overdose situation for it sure. It was the loose end. Yeah, yeah. This could have been or whatever yeah right but i well, mean in then, a different universe like the people could have just accepted that this made sense even a lot of those people like the media machine just wasn't in place in the same way that it was in yeah. the 90s right like a lot of those other ones like i think there are a few other examples from the 80s but it's mostly like the 70s the 60s and 70s when mm-hmm. those excesses were sort of like it was like you heard them on the radio you saw their picture you maybe saw them on like the ed sullivan show or what like once a year they'd get on tv but it wasn't like it wasn't like mtv constantly broadcasting like oh hey let's look at that interview where like courtney like throws her makeup at madonna again for the fifth time in a week right like check it out slow-mo yeah yeah Or like the threat of like, ugh, yeah, there's just so much of, yeah, let's slow motion. Let's just <laughs> capture her doing all of her terrible things and seeing all yeah. of her flaws and just really close up slow motion over and over again. And then like contextualize it next to some, you know, awful story about, you know, hair you know, crack babies and that whole right, other exactly. yeah thing. exactly yeah, the like, 90s were just like really that moral panic was just really uh, becoming like a cemented in the culture from like all the shit in the 80s right like um but speaking so speaking of uh of kurt and uh also kind of going back to the dating other rock stars like um uh i know like a lot of people kind of associate courtney love with riot girl which is like mm-hmm. a complicated thing, but this is something I wanted to talk about. Kurt actually dated, I think he was, he dated Toby Vale, who was the drummer of Bikini Kill before Courtney. Like he also dated like four or five other women in that scene. Yeah. Um, and nobody ever was like, oh yeah, he fucking dated the yeah. drummer from oh, Bikini he Kill. He just is marrying the next up and coming, you know, mm-hmm. rock artist. Yeah. He was supposed to, you know, there was the, this quote from Courtney, which is just, perfectly in front of my face right now but ah. um you know like he, here's this new rock star kurt and he's supposed to be married to a model and he's married to me and people just couldn't swallow yeah. that pill i just didn't like it but yeah um, that was probably the coolest uh, when i was first exposed to courtney love that was probably the coolest thing that was the thing that mm-hmm. for like me and like my f- friends that were interested in that at the time that was like what stood out to us um, mm-hmm. and was like this very not archetypal rock star 
wife, yeah. which yeah. is obviously flattening who Courtney Love is entirely. But at the same but time, whatever fourteen yeah. or whatever it was, yeah, it's like we were like, this is cool, like this is badass. She's not um, whoever the supermodel of the day is. Exactly what you said. She's mm-hmm. kind of like the antithesis of that. Yeah, she's like pretty crass and doesn't and really it's like, apologize it's for being rude exciting, on exciting right like yeah, exactly. it's exciting to have a crush on a woman who's like uniquely herself oh, for or sure. to have one as a sex symbol and who's yeah. uh like hot because she's so different and she talks very openly about she's like oh my you know zits and like, <laughs> you know i had extra weight on me back then and all this sort of stuff and yeah. all of her um like vintage clothing that was like yeah. I was like oh, like what is the perfect perfect like wet dream I didn't want to say it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was like like literally like five years later she was the archetype that was in every like indie movie right Right. Um, but what's interesting too about that is she, by all accounts, she took care of Kurt when he was like in the depths of heroin, right? Like, oh, yeah. like she was the one that actually kept the shit together while their while mm-hmm. their lives were falling apart, and while they're like this, the drugs were consuming him, and like they're trying, yeah. she's trying to care, like she's caring she's for a baby. Good. They're trying to take it away from her. Her husband's all fucked up. They try and have this intervention. She she yeah. says things that are like true, like apparently he dropped the baby, and like. Yeah. And like maybe that maybe she said and she probably she's probably she's said it in the Courtney apologetic. Love way. She's very and apologetic about that. That was like the thing in the Barbara yeah. Walters interview. She said that, and that's when she actually broke down. Like that was the point where yeah. you could see it's like this is not like you should like this is like oh my god like this is real. She really feels like yeah. those were things that made it worse, not better, and she made those decisions. But like I thought it was so manipulative of Barbara. Oh, big Walters time to push on that moment. I was upset watching that as well because you're like it's upsetting. Oh. This is a woman whose husband left her behind and she's dealing with all the different rage feelings that she has, but mm-hmm. she still blames herself for a very like specific haunting mm. moment that she definitely carried with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, oh. I don't think I've watched any other Barbara Walters interviews, but I was like, is she a bitch? She's, she's <laughs> never, I've never seen her that aggro. Like I have never seen her be so, and I and like because I've seen other interviews, she's definitely like that. Like that's she's she kind of just like spits these questions at you. I have never seen them that fast or that like accusing from Barbara Walters. Yeah, like total. She was definitely on a high horse for that one, a particular high horse. I think she's She's usually like unless she's like, and I don't watch a lot. I haven't watched a lot, but the impression that I have is like unless she's in like visible awe of mm-hmm. and just kind of like fawning over them then she has this air of kind of pretentiousness and yeah. superiority to it she it's, even it's does it like well in at her- the end when she asks uh when she says yeah like this is what i i blame myself for this and she goes oh courtney as if she's calling like she's like oh, oh I, I can't believe you'd like, say that after i, I can't spent believe you answered the minutes. question i just asked you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i think like too like you can you can see that that like yeah. I think the other thing too is like Courtney kind of mentions she's like oh you're you're like, you're like of a different generation or something she kind of says that offhandedly but it's like mm. it does kind of remind you like yeah like not only was Barbara Walters of a of a very different generation from Courtney like like her audience was not the people that would have liked Courtney anyway for the most yeah. part like they would have been like. Yeah. Courtney's parents, you know, like, or yeah. Courtney's grandparents, like that's who was watching Barbara Walters. These are the um, people who are like, my daughter is learning mm-hmm. how to be 
this type of a woman from this woman. Yeah, yeah. totally. Like the fear, right? She's like, oh gosh. Must resist. Well, yeah. What's my child going to end up doing? I better, oh, I better take her to that. successful musician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How did she make millions Buying of dollars? you a house? <laughs> yeah. I think... <laughs> So that was something I kind of, we, we also, the, I didn't, so apparently like, Courtney Love might be Marlon Brando's great granddaughter. So her mother is like Linda Carroll, who wrote a fucking expose about her, by the way, oh, like a book about, an, yeah, uh, good, yeah. Good but her mother, Paula Fox is a writer who, who's, whose own mother. Uh, so there's Paula Fox and there's Elsie Fox was a screenwriter who, had her out of wedlock and got married to another screenwriter to like officialize. But apparently she was living in a house with Elia Kazin and Marlon Brando. And the rumor is that it was Marlon Brando's baby. Oh, do you think Courtney grew up like hearing that and being like, this is what I'm testing. She auditioned for the Mickey mouse club. Like she would wow. at a young age as Coco Rodriguez. Um, and Rodriguez, so I, interesting. She, she was being raised by her, mother's ex-husband at one point right and so she went by a name associated with him right um and i think she like she always she clearly knew from a very young age that she was destined for something yeah larger right so is she like because of my famous blood no but like (laughs) even like her whole family was all involved in media or like being in the public eye to a certain extent. Right. Like even her mom mm-hmm. was like kind of a socialite and her dad was like a grateful dead manager or, yeah, something. or, Rody or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like basically like one of the fifth, the, the like limpets that hung on the grateful dead and like yeah. made a bit of money off them. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's like, this seems like a long train and I'm going to ride it right to the caboose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but apparently he gave her LSD. That's like the alleged thing that yeah. her mother alleges. So that, that's why he was not in her her life. Mm-hmm. Well, Although you hear some stories that she did spend time with him um, in the UK at some point, right? Is that no? She I was all over the place because she was emancipated at sixteen. Yeah, that was like a part of her story. But like, I just what I see is like both her and Kurt were from homes where their parents mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't care for them in a lot of ways, right? Like for whatever, for very different reasons, it seems like, like Kurt's family was very like poor and, and like, you know, his parent, his dad abandoned the family and all this stuff. Whereas Courtney, it was sort of like her her parents were, were sort of like living this, this party life and, and it was hard to keep her with them because they were on the road or whatever. They moved to like, the final thing was, I guess that they moved when they moved to New Zealand and she didn't do well in school. And then they were like, well, we'll send you back to live with her mother's ex-husband who i think her stepfather frank rodriguez was one of the only people that really nurtured her as a youth but then also family friends and so you're nine and you're not allowed to see one of your parents or choose not to see one of your parents as i know i know that's a complicated history but um and the other one's like i'm too busy getting remarried over and over again (laughs) and shifts you back to america and then moves away yeah just like well we're moving now rough and she she gives her mother the credit for the band name hole which right. is you can't walk around life like, with a hole in you yeah and you're like oh, he doesn't deserve the credit yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah 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 a hole in my life yeah and, and like she held on to it 
the career to you. And yeah. that, that is the thing about Kurt and Courtney was they both were so insistent on like being there for Francis, even though they were just fucked up and like totally just like in the public eye, like there's literally interview. Like that's the one thing about the time. Like, like I, I found it nuts that like there are interviews with Nirvana where Kurt Cobain is like burping Francis and stuff. And like, yeah. can you imagine any other rock star at the time, like doing yeah. that shit? Like that is like, yeah. I I think like whatever I, I was definitely, there was a period in my life where I was like, Oh, I'm punk rock. And I think Nirvana is overrated. But like, I look at the shit that Kurt Cobain was like, I, I, I assume it was at least somewhat like deliberate, but like the stuff he was oh, yeah. doing with Courtney and Francis was like, mm-hmm. no, I'm a dad and I'm going to be in my daughter's life. And I'm yeah. going to make you show a dad doing what's quote unquote women's work. Right. Like yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. Straight up. He but, was very like, I don't know, open about, yeah. Like he just wanted people to exist the way that they, they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I respected that. About yeah, him. totally. I think that is the difference between Kurt and Courtney is like, Kurt, they were both clearly like Gen Xers that like, uh, whatever, like, fuck you. I'm like, just going to do whatever. But like, I think Kurt was also like, there was a, a, there was like a a kernel of very deliberate political consciousness to him. And Mm -hmm. I think, I don't think Courtney has that in the sense of like, like she's not thinking about what she does in terms of like the political like implications of it or like that she, she, she does, she doesn't particularly like think like i'm gonna blaze this trail for women she's like i'm gonna blaze this trail for me and then it's like and then it's like that's fine and again like that doesn't mean that she didn't do the things she did and she doesn't deserve credit for them but like with kurt there was a little more of that like well especially like he was like we're gonna bring the underground up with us like we're gonna Mm -hmm. we're gonna like fight the squares and like break the system through art and stuff like that like and make the dinosaurs extinct yeah Yeah. totally (laughs) like and and again like that's not to say like kurt was better for it i think like that was a lot it also made him like yeah exactly like it also part probably contributed to like his mental health issues right and stuff like that and like and and made him a little less reliable i think to as a partner than courtney but like it's it's just interesting seeing that difference between them because they are so damn alike in so many ways yeah but like there is like enough of a difference between them that's also like it's just like they work so they work so well together and at the same time they like are absolutely like in a toxic situation right like so yeah, i don't know it's just fascinating and courtney's like earlier cool she's actually she's talked about this throughout her life but talking about her like messiah complex she wanted <laughs> to be like jesus and i think she she was like "Ooh, yeah like i know that this is the thing with me but with kurt it was maybe a bit more subtle and then it happened to him without him like being able to verbalize i this fame or maybe he didn't want it but that's what was happening to him mm-hmm. with people and it could be framed by the fact that he has died and his history is totally changed by the fact that he died like i don't know what yeah how people would perceive him now if he hadn't right like it's impossible for me to tell if people would still hold him up on such a high altar if he hadn't died but um well i also think like there was an interview where like it's like i think from like maybe five ten years ago with chris novoselic where they're like well what do you think kurt would be doing today if he was alive would he still be a rock star and chris novoselic's just like 
he's basically like i don't know man it's been like 20 years like he was so miserable like yeah maybe he would have left and become like a farmer or whatever or some shit or maybe he'd still be in it i don't know like like maybe if you asked me that a year or two maybe after, he'd be like a restaurateur yeah like, exactly no way of telling yeah. <laughs> like yeah he's like and it's literally just like and their answer was like well there you have it he says maybe he would be maybe he wouldn't be he's like why did you fucking <laughs> ask this like why do you ask these people these questions it's the same with Courtney it's like or you know you know that's going to be the answer and you just have to ask it for like the the angle or whatever right so there was I was listening to the podcast Rivals and uh the episode about Courtney Love and Dave Grohl and they talk about uh sort of his likeness being used in the Jason Siegel Muppets film and I can't (laughs) remember the context of it but I don't remember if he was a Muppet I think he was um Mm. but someone on that podcast was like do you think, how do you think Kurt would feel about being a Muppet? Like, do you think, how do you think you would feel about being a Muppet? You're like, well, we don't know. The person had to be like, I think he would see it as, you know, like a night. And I'm not, I mean, it was a, not making fun of what they were saying, but it's just one of those things where you're like, how can you ask these questions about people um, when we have no idea because we have no history of what this person well, like, was how like. How do you think your friend that died by suicide would feel about being oh, a felt puppet yeah. you know what do you what do you think of that do you want to think about your dead friend longer in a, like a context context of like yeah. a joyous childhood memory you want to combine those in your yeah. head a little more what let it stew miserable person who was like deeply unhappy like but do you think they'd find joy in this <laughs> 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 it's just like i mean they also talked about the uh, just in general the guitar hero thing where they're like he would not find joy in yeah. the guitar hero and i agree with totally. that that's like the tupac hologram thing as well You're like, yeah well after we a certain raising the dead now the prince yeah. hologram he specifically said don't do that and yeah. they did it <laughs> like of you know that he was like <laughs> he said it was from the devil because he was like super religious he's like that's that's devil shit don't do that like oh i would yeah. Love to hear him say that. That's devil shit. <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. She's so nice. Yeah. Oh man, like call him out for that. Amazing. But yeah, totally. I think I think like that's um, the whole the whole like Kurt grunge scene authenticity stuff is also very interesting. Um, and just like how they dealt with that in different ways, and like how Courtney was just like, yeah, fuck it, I don't care. Like, yeah. like in a way. Yeah, gave the the selling out like the hugest hug. Of just yeah, like, yeah of and then people were like, "What's your it? history with punk?" She was like, "I don't know. I didn't fucking like it for a while. Yeah, yeah I didn't, and I'll admit that. I don't care. I like it now." Well, like yeah. like the riot girl thing. Like she was yeah. like, everyone's like, "Oh, Courtney Love is a riot girl," and she was specifically saying like, "I'm not a riot girl." And the mm-hmm. the riot girl movement was like, "We don't have anything to do with Courtney Love," uh, <laughs> and that was that's the other thing is like, um, Kath, her she has she does not get along with Kathleen Hanna from Bikini Kill. Like that she punched mm-hmm. her backstage at Lollapalooza. Apparently, I've yeah. There's some like so many different perspectives on that it's like it was a push it was a bunch it was a push or like that like that like like i think like a couple people said like oh like uh kathleen was like trying to challenge courtney to a feminist debate or something like that which like i doubt (laughs) anyone ever (laughs) (laughs) but i think and it's well it's interesting too because like kathleen hannah also worked as a stripper to pay the bills for a long time also like also was like a figure of massive scorn in the press for both Mm. being outspoken being 
both like saying like and actually calling herself a feminist but also like taking her shirt off on stage like because mm-hmm. she was hot not even like to be provocative but just like she took her shirt physically like I, she's like, I was like she, oh. there was one time where she took off her shirt because she drums in some of the Bikini Kill songs, and yeah, everyone yeah. was like, "Ooh!" And she's like, "Nobody fucking gets upset with when Ian Mackay from Fugazi takes off his shirt." Yeah, like yeah. the same shit. They had, they went through so much of the same shit, and yet, and I don't know. It, it seems like Kathleen was for the most part like, I don't want this in the media. I don't mm-hmm. want to talk about this because she already had basically been like, "I'm not talking to the media anymore because they don't understand me. They don't understand yeah. Riot Girl." But like, and some people are brave enough to say that too, right? Yeah, You're totally. kind of like, oh, this might affect the volume of my career, but that's the choice I'm making. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think that's the other thing is that Courtney, politically or apolitically, as she was, was able to kind of be like, well, I'm. Who gives a fuck? I'm going to step into the spotlight. Whereas, mm-hmm. based on I don't know any sort of maybe. Um, anything kind of like left of center politics wise, you kind of be like, well, it's a little bit of a like. You kind of preach in there. You kind of kind of spectacle <laughs> thing to be. Well, that too, but also yeah. just like, so what kind of hypocrisy is involved in like taking taking the stands that you know riot girl um, identities might or like personalities yeah. might. And then just be like, eh, but as long as I can cash this check who mm-hmm. fuck, yeah. or whatever, whereas it's easier if you're apolitical or just like kind of yeah. like trolling yeah. effectively yeah, sure. to just be like, yeah, whatever. Like, let's do, let's do the interview. I'll say some yeah. fucking shit and you can write seven more columns about it afterwards. <laughs> well, I like, do believe that she would be the type of person to be like, the sky is blue. And then in the next sentence, she'd be like, it's also green though. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, turn green it's fine whatever yeah. or like it's always green what are you talking about yeah, yeah <laughs> it doesn't she's, matter like it's that in the moment yeah. like i just need to say whatever will get me to the next thing i i want right yeah and like, even like the next thing she wants to say because yeah <laughs> she talks so much. that was she was on the anna ferris podcast and i know it's weird yeah, it's, I did like, listen to what what I did listen to more of it, actually. I listened the end. There's like a, a woman from the South who comes on and is like, it's like, oh, you know, I'm I'm gay. And like my, my girlfriend still doesn't yes, come out to yes. her family. And Courtney is like, oh, it's so like, you know, like she starts going on about like LGBTQ kids who get kicked out of their homes and like end up homeless on the street and have to like strip or prostitute. And you're like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Like, she's just like, this is that don't say it. But that's like, she's just like, and you can tell in the moment as she says it, she's like, fuck, this is not what I should be saying right now. And she's trying to like bail out of it. But it's just like, oh, God. Oh. Yeah, I, I did hear some of that call and i thought her first response of like oh that's terrible yeah. i was like oh thanks that's yeah. nice that's what i needed to hear and then she just keeps going i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> big up, big up. Well, and like the hardest part is it's not like uh it's it's not it's she means well too like she mm-hmm. really wasn't trying yeah. to like turn it she's into a huge this thing yeah like advocate for lb lgbtq yeah like, exactly and like obviously had had experience meeting those kids like and probably being like being like friends with them at the time when she was the same age as them too mm-hmm. right like but it's just like it, it was just like it was hard to to watch but also like but she's like i don't know it was just one of those moments where i was like i felt uncomfortable while i was listening right yeah that, that interview itself too you know to hear her in such a casual way like i think in her later interviews there isn't really i don't want to say there's like not a point to them but she's not riding this 
she's not pitching projects all the time, right? Yeah. Interviews don't have that focal point. And she's just a person that people bring on because she's the subject. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm just going to like listen to Courtney Love talk again. And she's friends with a lot of those people. Like, it's just like, they're just like, like she did one with Shirley Manson who has a podcast. I didn't know yeah, what this, and they've been that. like friends since they were kids. And like, it's just like fascinating. And every time Shirley compliments her and it's like, Oh, I love this about your album. Like I love this about your music. You can feel Courtney get like uncomfortable with like mm-hmm. the, the sincerity of it. Like, and I don't know if that's because she knows it's being recorded or if she is just genuinely uncomfortable with Shirley, like giving her these very yeah. warm, open compliments yeah, that aren't cool or whatever. I don't know. It was just a really Really interesting interview yeah it is interesting to see her accept because Anna Ferris as well is like you're I gotta say like you're sitting across from me and you're you're so hot and she's like oh well thank you and I, it's exactly the tone I use when <laughs> someone at my office says something that I find inappropriate to me oh. and I'm like oh hey, cool. 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 cool yeah I have to say thank you yeah, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah. but uh you she is maybe she's not comfortable with like people breaking her like persona down in front of her yeah. being like, I'm actually going to give you a very honest compliment and say that you're talented. She doesn't in that Barbara Walters interview, right? She goes, well, she like, it's like, she says something, she sort of degrades her abilities and then she goes, no, Barbara. I was like, no, say it. And she's like, because I'm talented. Okay. And you can see that it's hard for her to say out loud. Um, in front of people that she knows she's talented. Like yeah. that's where her vulnerability all of a sudden appears. Well, and also that is probably from years of like, when she said that people would be like, shut the fuck up. Or like, yeah, yeah. like, like what are you, are you talking know? about? You just like yeah. ripped off court Kurt's fame or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that both like noted on the second whole album as like background vocals and as like collaborating on one side, like, if he had done more of the writing, I don't think they would have excluded him. Well, it's literally like everyone else, every one of her other male rock star people that she knew got credits. Like Billy yeah. Corgan is credit on half those songs too. Like yeah. it's all just like, is she wasn't, she wasn't, that was the one thing she was never stingy with when she's like, when you're her friend is like, when, when is like, she is mm-hmm. never being, she's never like, you did nothing. She is like, no, this is like Eric wrote all those guitar parts. Like he's, mm. he's in the band with me. He's a part of the band, like that kind of stuff. Like Melissa is like such, like she, she's, she's like wrote all those bass lines. Like she's, she's amazing. And then like, yeah, it's just like, she's never been stingy with like crediting people who, who gave her help. Right. Sort of credit, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Because that way it's going to be extra spicy when she comes back and sues them a few decades later. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's that it's just right like them in an interview. It's, it's like either like compliments. You're the best or like <laughs> fuck you very much and punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. You know? So oh, oh man, yeah. Courtney Love. I think that's the thing is like she she doesn't she the big thing is she doesn't fit that like easy like um uh like like <sighs> like a abuser victim dichotomy either like and i don't it's probably a loaded way to say it but like she's not a she's not a nice clean victim of of misogyny you know it's like she is like someone who also like kind of uses it against other women and like uses other women's like whatever's against them too but also she has been like horribly treated as well so it's like that's where the media gets uncomfortable with her is they can't make her one or the other very easily yeah i mean she's like I think for the most part, if you sit down and talk to people about Courtney Love, they'll say she's been unfairly maligned. Totally. And she by, totally has. Right? right. And like, if they're paying attention, if they've paid attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but no one ever says, 
well, like why? Like truly, mm-hmm. why? And is it just because her, Kurt's fans hated her? She has a ex- really brash personality for sure. There's someone, an old acquaintance of her in like the Kurt and Courtney MTV doc that's a little bit trashy um, was like, oh, she's a harpy. And <laughs> like that's such a brutal way to describe someone. Yeah. And so you do it, uh, get that she's like a really strong personality to be around. But like... <laughs> I just don't quite get the the villainization that's happened. And it's in part because of how Kurt Cobain died, for sure. Yeah. But And drug use. But, like, are we allowed to villainize people for having a substance abuse problem? Yeah. No. Well, but it was, like, very common in the yeah. 90s yeah, to yeah. do that shit. I mean, yeah, it's just, like, I do think, like, she has gotten, like, I, like she's definitely still... She 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 makes money for that machine of like look at these messy women like with their fucking whatevers but like yeah. she also I think she has been like allowed some return to grace to to a certain extent and like we are going through this whole like re 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 like, it's post me too movement yeah like, post me too up, well like, she said in 2005 like they were like you have any advice for young girls who want to get started in music business she's like if you if i if you if you get invited to a private meeting with harvey weinstein at the four seasons don't yeah. go like yeah like and it's like yeah like what stories fire. hasn't haven't been told you know mm-hmm. like that's what's interesting to me yeah. um yeah. But yeah, I just think like she has been allowed some grace again, but it's still in that context of like, wow, look at how fucked up she like she flashed her boobs on David Letterman. Whoa, like you know, I I, um like reading the more the most recent interview I read from her sort of uh, was the 2011 Vanity Fair, Uh, the one that I thought was in depth at least because Mm. she sort of stepped away. I think after that, but so the, um, with the picture of her on the stairs with the rabbits. If she's got like kind of like a nice cream outfit on yeah. and she's very well, beautifully lit and they're letting her look like this very elegant and successful woman. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, something did shift in everyone's sort of perspective of um, what's fair and how to treat women in, in the public eye. And, uh, this person still is like, oh yeah, she's a hot mess and she's really difficult to be around. Totally. But um, she at least allows that to be what's interesting about her. And she, that- she plays it up yeah. because she knows, like, wh- however she honestly feels about it, like she knows it's sort of like she does like play with it and try and like both like push against it and and like embrace it, but also like turn it mm-hmm. on its head, kind of like she knows how to play that game too, right? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. yeah, yeah, Courtney Love. I know she will always be uh I think she'll continue to be in the public eye. Um I mean she hasn't done anything ludicrous in some people's words, yeah. mine, um, in a while, but uh I think she'll she was apparently writing more music, so who knows? Yeah, well she had a song on like a movie. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. like a horror movie or something that apparently did not do well, um, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, she's writing stuff. She has, I didn't realize she had a song with, she was on a Fallout Boy song, which is really good oh. from like 2013. Oh, yeah, I oh. really enjoy it. I'm not a huge Fallout Boy fan, and I, but I think like she really adds to the song. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's a, here's a question kind of to, to mm. wrap things up. Uh, best favorite, favorite whole album or favorite whole song or favorite Courtney Love, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, Della, yeah, yeah. What, what do you think? 
Uh, Live Through This is definitely my favorite album, the album that I could like listen to front to back. Right. Over and over again and have. Um, Yeah, like I think that's definitely the one. And uh, is it, I guess it's kind of a bit cheeky to say uh, doll parts, but it's a beautifully written song and the lyrics are amazing, but asking for it is a ripper of a tune that I think is an anthem for women in yeah. any era yeah. and is something that you could shout and cry to <laughs> as a woman like over and over again. And, uh, for sure. And also then if I'm just like thinking about being in high school and like, I don't know, what did I drink? Drinking a smear of ice or something. <laughs> I'll probably say celebrity skin, but that's a, for a different type of mood. It's an iconic song. I think you can't escape yeah. like, like just like, like, um, even just that dead, dead, yeah, the riffs, dead, right? Yeah, 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 and sure. that, so yeah, totally. Yeah. What about you, Craig? Um, the only album I'm really familiar with is Live Through This, so I have to pick that one, mm-hmm. but um, it is a, a good album, I think. I, I enjoy it, yeah. I still enjoy it, even. Um, mm-hmm. and I liked her in the People versus Larry Flint, yeah, in her role in that. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I, uh, that movie is a very, like, it, it has that like biopic thing of like having to summarize someone's entire fucking life. And it's really like, it is about her in a lot of ways. Like, it's not really about her, but like, she is so deeply, a, I think it's well cast a key yeah. and well cast. And she does a really great job. Absolutely. Uh, and like, that's the thing is like, I think the most interesting part about that is like the chemistry between Woody Harrelson and Courtney Love, totally. um, because yeah. the movie is very like, by today's standards, I think it was one of the first ones to kind of do it, but it's like that, like Larry works at a strip club. Yeah, Larry yeah, faces yeah. financial trouble. Larry yeah. starts a magazine. Larry <laughs> faces financial trouble. Like it's like that kind of thing. But like, I think they do a really good job of making it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With smut and free speech. Smut. 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 Over and over again. Smut. Smut. Yeah. I'm going to have to say, agree on live through this. I think it is, yeah. I think overall it's her, it's the best. It's the the one that I know the best and has the most, mm-hmm. the most uh, catchy uh, wrist yeah. choruses versus and the most still raw i think like i do find celebrity skin a little too poppy for me in yeah, my yeah case. absolutely but i will say after listening to it a few times i could not get the choruses out of my head like yeah malibu like celebrity skin and then Very. there's a couple like uh like yeah like all those songs like she really knows how to write a catchy yeah. hook I will and say. if you think about like spice girls was like hot during that time period so yep for, for it to be successful and but still being within its genre i think is absolutely cool. yeah shout totally. out to pretty on the inside though oh, You're I, nice. oh yeah that's we, the 1991 we, teenage horror is a cool one yeah i think like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of raw energy to that and like 17 year old me would have been like this is the best album because it's yeah. so aggro like i there was a period where i wouldn't listen to anything with like yeah. clean vocals yeah. so, unpolished. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yeah i think just like like i think live through this strikes that balance between like the sort of poppy mm-hmm. like really like radio friendly of celebrity skin and that just like almost like noise angry like um 
grind of uh of of pretty on the inside so mm-hmm. yeah and i actually i i really um i i think um she kind of adds she's not a huge part in man on the moon but she kind of really adds to the the sensitive side of that film because mm-hmm. that film is is like i think there's a lot to be said about that film and like yeah jim carrey's whole documentary oh, yeah. that just made him look like a piece of shit but like really very very um indulgent yes and even that movie was kind of just like now looking back it's like the movie was like yeah i'd have to watch it again actually it's i'd like to see her in it because i do kind of want to see her in those years when she's young and i pert is the wrong word but like (laughs) really going after something that she studied for like she studied acting i feel like this was a bit later like i don't know if she was clean at this point but she and she it's interesting because that movie she is not like courtney love at all like she's the most Mm -hmm. like down to earth like like very just like and it might be the way the part is written too but like she plays it so well as this sort of like one place where he can be Mm. not andy kaufman the fucking antagonistic like auteur or whatever right where he's Mm. it's it's like um it reminds me a lot of like um where when you have denzel washington and um what's her name playing his his wife betty uh oh my god she's in she's in everything she's so good uh angela bassett oh yeah oh I found that very surprising. I was like, Angela Bassett, yeah. Yeah, like they there's that the, it's the same thing. It's like they 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 show that like very quiet, like loving mm-hmm. side of those characters that really didn't ever get that. So mm-hmm. and she really like she's just like very cool and very like and very like I don't know. She's like she's good in the movie, even though she's not the focus of the movie, is what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Yeah, I think like the point of all this like i'm like looking at me and i was like is that at the end of the day i just am pretty impressed by her as, huge huge respect uh, huge talent yeah yeah um multi- and one of those people who like does a bunch of stuff and does it all really well and commits to yeah. it when she does it so yeah yeah and i feel like could have done whatever she wanted endless endlessly more um if she'd been given the space Yes, to do big so. Big time, big time. The social capital, yeah. Which mm-hmm. was, she was deprived. Mm-hmm. Took what she could, yeah, and got, but got was more in certain circumstances, but was certainly like deprived of it when yeah. I think it was deserved for mm-hmm. her talent and for what she had mm-hmm. actually accomplished. Um, like, think of what we reputation that she was like yeah. swirling around in of that whole circumstance with her past. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Sorry, Della, I cut you off. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, think of what we put up with, with James Franco, like how many hats he's worn, and that like we won't. No, yeah, totally. We won't still let Courtney up. Love fly. <laughs> and yet, James Franco still has as much social social capital as he can. Yeah, yeah exactly. Let, let let Courtney Love direct a Marvel movie. Yeah, <laughs> let her star on a soap opera just yeah. for kicks. Yes. Oh my God. Give her a t- Give her an HBO series, please. Let her do yeah. whatever she wants. All Put her right. in a stoner buddy comedy. Yeah. Her <laughs> and like, who would else, who would be like, like her, I don't know. Who's a good one? Uh, ooh, I w- maybe it's just like Kirsten Wig and <laughs> Kirsten Wig and Courtney Love. Good combo. Let's, let's call yeah. it there. Make it happen. Warner brothers. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Studios. Studios. Oh, you got it. You got It's money in your hand. Come on um well thanks for doing this with us Della. this was like super awesome fun this is great oh, to have yeah. you. 
No, thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time and like also just really nice to be focusing on you know, like a woman in history. Yeah. yeah. I said it, Courtney Love. You're a woman in history. There you go. Yeah. History, but still history. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. That really- yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back like anytime. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love talking almost as much as we love you love talking we love talking we're gonna do more of it do you have anything you want to plug while you're here i think uh, this come this will come out like mid-march i think maybe okay, a little yeah. later might be april so i don't know okay. i can give if you an exact a, date later but yeah for now i know that um my improv group hot snack which is a fun online group um full of cool femme folks um can, has can, a show they are all very cool yeah, we have a seal of approval, um, and oh, man. It's that's what's important <laughs> from a man, yeah. uh, which is what we've always thought. Oh, um, yeah. But we have a show the online uh, uh, every last Friday of every month, and you can find us on Instagram at hot snack underscore comedy. We also have a Facebook page where you can find the links to our shows. Um, I'm also in a sketch group called Good Not Great. And we release sketches sort of on our Instagram as well for Good Not Great. Um, we're going to be in the Blind Tiger with Improv. Uh, we'll be in the Blind Tiger Block Team Festival that's coming up at the end of March. So if this airs before the end of March, check it out the 26th to the 27th. And there'll be lots of other local um, comedians who have pivoted to the online format. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you again, Della. Uh, as Thank always, you. You, can, you can find me at Stop Joe Now, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you still can't find Craig anywhere. <laughs> He's a ghost. Um, but you can find you. He does lurk. So if you want to post about Craig, uh, and yeah, we can, you can always uh, check us out at two, the number two bananas pod on Twitter and Instagram. And while you're doing that, why don't you slip on over to iTunes and give us a five star rating and a review? Just to bump us up there, and we'll see you next time on another episode of Second Bananas. Thanks, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.